There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 714. Um, today's Friday, the 7th of August. It is. This podcast is going up. I'm going to be performing in Orlando tonight and Tampa tomorrow night and then uh, Northern California next weekend on the fun, comfortable tour. What else you got on the Nerds Community Court Board? Uh, I got one. They've sent it a couple times. I'm excited to finally get this shout out. It's a show called the Dirty Talk Game Show. It's in San Francisco at the Oasis. Uh, they're doing their third one on August 11th. You can go to dirtytalkgameshow.com. Chris. How would you like to do a game show where in front of a room full of kind of drunk people, you have to compete against other funny people for how well you can dirty talk to an audience? Oh, my God. I so would, uncomfortable. Go to the website. It's amazing. I would sweep that competition. This is a, I, I was having dinner last night at this place called Mud Hen Tavern. Already dirty. And uh, I was where I was. It's really good, actually. Monday Tavern is really good. But where I could sitting, I could see the bar, and there was a baseball game on, and people were cheering, and I'm like, "Goddamn sports!" Like I got all cranky about it. What's wrong with sports? Shut up. So we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so we're leaving. <laughs> so we're leaving. denied. <laughs> so we're so we're leaving, and a bunch of people look at me really weird. And I'm like, what? And the friend of mine I was having dinner with knew one of the people at the table. And they go, it was a completely opposite of what I thought. They go, this is Geeks Who Drink. And you were just an answer and a question. And I'm like, <laughs> it was, not only was it the diametrical opposite of the thing I thought it was. They were all cheering because of trivia, trivia night. But I was an answer and a question, and I, I said, I am so sorry I didn't know or hear that, because I could have run in, and I could have just dashed into the room and gone, I have been summoned, <laughs> which would have been amazing. And no one would have believed their drunken story. No. Yeah, no. it turns out Chris Hardwick's like Han- Candyman. If you just you, say his name in the mirror, he shows up. <laughs> then you have to run a panel in your bathroom. What do you, what do you got on the corkboard? I want to remind people to listen to some of the other shows we have on the network. For, uh, for example, today we learned recently had Jerry Ferrara. Uh, who plays Turtle and Entourage Ooh. on the show. Nerdist Writers Panel had a lot of the writers from Halt and Catch Fire. On this week's You Made It Weird, Pete talked to Dan Harmon. So that oh, got super nice. weird. Did they make it weird? They, of course they made it weird. Okay, well, good. it's Harmon. I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I also, since today is Friday, last night was Jon Stewart's last daily show. Aww. Which is, um, you know, it, we're recording this intro the day before. So we didn't. We haven't seen the last episode yet, but it's it is it is the end of an era with that man. And uh, I don't really know John that well, but have been inspired by him. And you know, he helped give me a public intervention in the year two thousand on oh. a show where he kind of made fun of me for being a loser because I wasn't working. And uh, and it actually was one of the things that got me to like, oh, maybe I should get my shit together. 
I think he just meant it as a joke, but <laughs> it really stuck. It stuck, and so I have to personally thank John for that, and also just being a force in comedy and being a force in politics, and and being uh, just being that entity. For 17 years. It's going to be a weird world moving forward with that. I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of like a dot when you lose a doctor and you get a new doctor. Yeah. Uh, You know, Trevor's coming in. I don't know. I haven't met Trevor yet, but uh, I'm sure we will soon. But, you know, he'll have a different show. And then I'm sure at first people are like, well, it's not John. And then sooner they're like, oh, okay. Well, this is a new, this is a different. I imagine there was one guy who was like, it's not Craig Kilborn. (laughs) Still. (laughs) Bring back Kilborn. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the Kilborn train, then you replace him with John Stewart, then you put him on another, and then you replace him with Craig Ferguson. I missed the Don't Go There segment. <laughs> Come on. That's some vintage Daily Show jokes. But uh, in any case, uh, uh, huge, huge, huge uh, bowing to you, uh, John Stewart, and your comedy supremacy, and congratulations on 17 incredible That's years. Insane. I know. There's a high school senior who's only been alive through The Daily Show. Yeah, like the first episode of The Daily Show. <laughs> Some guy was in it was was being born was or yeah yeah some DNA was being shot into a lady and then now seventeen years later that I like ke- you set up so they have like a winter or spring birthday yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, in any case that's uh, it's odd and it's weird and it's it's the end of an it era hasn't sunk in for me yet it's gonna be weird it will I mean I don't like it it's much Changes more bad. it's much more sort of in my face because I'm in that block of programming so oh yeah know. that's gonna be so weird yeah I know wow. so we're you know we 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 did the oh, show last night you're the lead in for stuff <laughs> not really we're still on at midnight we're the lead in for South Park reruns I there guess I don't know but uh, this episode is Kevin Bacon who this is the second time on the podcast we got Kevin Bacon on the podcast twice and uh, he was fantastic oh my god Kevin Bacon and he said I could come Hang out with him. <laughs> yeah, you got to go do that. I think he was just saying that I to be nice. But I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna make him regret throwing that he offer opens out that door, there. Be like, Ready to bro down, bro? You bro? You said bro. Come on, bro. Come on, broken. Just, uh, yeah. Kevin, bro, broken. No, no, that doesn't really work that way. That becomes another <laughs> well, word. Becomes another word. Cop car is the movie he's promoting. It is in theaters Friday, August seventh, on demand August fourteenth. Uh, which you should totally look up the movie because he describes he, he describes in the, the podcast and it, he what he plays the car he does not play the car oh I'm, I must miss that you're I thinking thought. of my mother the that's exactly the car. what yeah. I'm thinking yeah. I get those confused all, all the time. time I get these old 50s old sitcoms J- old James L Brooks projects and Kevin Bacon's recent films are things I confuse all the time but those are old sitcoms from the 50s like that goes back even farther James L Brooks wrote for it though. He wrote uh, on, on my the, mother of the car in the fifties, uh, in the 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 sixties, I guess. Touche. But yeah, Ken Keeler's really big on pushing that. Anytime, maybe you should go to Geeks Who Drink Trivia Night. I probably should. All right. James L. Brooks was just on Nerdist Writers Panel. What? He was with yeah. Phil Rosenthal. Yep. What? Yep. Oh, I got to go listen to this and all the other fine Nerdist gonna, podcasts on the network. I should I should have printed that that one earlier too. <laughs> but again, Cop Car in theaters Friday, August seventh, on demand August fourteenth. Ow. Here's Nerdist Podcast number seven fourteen with Mr. Kevin Bacon. Now entering Nerdist.com. Do you have dogs? I do, yeah. I was just talking about my dog, Lily, who's... uh, uh, you know, street rescue dog. And then out here, my daughter has uh, a dog that uh, 
is my grand dog, <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> and now she's also spending a lot of time with her boyfriend's dog. So they're two giant, you know, black dogs. One's, one's a lab and the other is what most people would think would be a pit, but he's actually a Staffordshire Terrier. Mm-hmm. Do you not get to see your dogs for long periods of time? No, I, I I bring Lily pretty much most places. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I don't fly her because I don't like her being flown. But but um, if I'm in one place at one time, I get a uh, dog transport, <laughs> this incredibly expensive dog transport system that brings her, drives her to wherever I am. That's really nice. So she's either usually with me or with Kira. Yeah, I mean, it's the... The whole thing about traveling dogs and, you know, uh, I just, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's safe to put them in the hull of the plane. I mean, it's... I used to do it um, probably two dogs ago and, uh, you know, but it's rough. It's rough on them. You can see they get off and they're like all, you know, shaking and freaking out and, you know, I mean, and the planes now have rules that they didn't used to have, but if there's a, there's a temperature at which the tarmac has to be at the place where you are landing. And if the temperature is above that or is, or is estimated to go above that or below a certain temperature, they won't let you put the dog on the flight. So you can get to the airport and it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, and at that, and they can also refuse pit bulls. So, so that's another issue. Oh man. Yeah, so it's, it gets t- it's tough. It's tough to travel dogs. Well, in the old days, you know, all the dogs were just smoking on the plane, <laughs> and there was no playing cards with their just feet. playing. <laughs> <laughs> dogs didn't have to go through security. You could nah. just go. You could just walk right on. Days. <laughs> yeah. Back in the old days. Yeah, I think I don't know if you remember being on the podcast the last time because it was a couple years ago, and I think sure. we came out to you in New York. Yeah, we were in the trailer. Yeah. You were in the trailer, and I think yeah. you would ju- the following hadn't premiered yet. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think it had oh. just started. We were just kind of starting it. So oh, it was, okay. It was a few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago, yeah. Um, but uh, your uh, your free the bacon video was fucking amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and 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 also, I don't know. You kind of, yeah. I I have a lot of respect for if you're sort of poking fun at the fact that the show got canceled. Like, which is a it's a good attitude to have. Like, it's oh, a yeah. fun it's a fun healthy but, attitude. You know, I mean. I've been doing this so long that you know it's a funny thing I think honestly you you when you have when you do movies and you keep doing movies you go through the experience of something you know not working at the box office again and again and again so it's, it's something you get a thick skin for you know it's not you can't you can't hang your entire life on the success or failure of something you're involved with otherwise you just stop or you'll you know go off the rails or whatever so you know the following three seasons you could make the argument that that's pretty good three seasons to get three seasons out of something these days i think it's i think it's amazing to get three episodes out of something on television no it's true it's true and um i enjoyed it when i was doing it and uh you know learned a lot um and it was definitely Sad to say goodbye to um, the crew. I know people say that a lot, but it really is true. And to the rest of the cast, um, you know, we we did have a really really strong bond. So that that was the that was the saddest part. Do you feel at this point like you know I'm probably going to be okay? Something will come along. It's not a big deal. I've already got a thing in the works. Like, or, or do you ever do you still feel the the actor thing of like oh no this is ending? What's going to happen? No, I still feel the actor thing. Um, I do. 
But I can tell you that for the first time when the following ended, I was not in a rush to book the next gig. And that's something that was kind of unusual for me. Usually I'm kind of like, I got to get it. I got to get it going. But, but since it was like three years of, of, you know, being, being on the same show, for some reason I was like, okay, let me just stop and think about where it is that I want to go. And, and, and it's interesting because once I opened up the idea of television, there's a lot of possibilities, you know, there's a lot of possibilities of either going into something that's, you know, half an hour, half an hour, let's say, and comedic or, or developing something or doing uh, a limited series or, or working on a, um, uh, uh, a play or directing, you know, I mean, I got a lot of, I got a lot of sort of possibilities. So I'm just, just trying to figure it out right now. And at least with television, you can go, you know, I would like to be in New York for a while. So maybe I can find something that's there and you know that you kind of, that you get to be there and not have to be as nomadic for a while. Yeah. I wish, I wish I did that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's that doesn't start. I don't start with that because I think then you are kind of well, look on the following. Um, they gave me a choice of New York and L.A. and I said I wanted to you know be in, in in New York. So that was a that was a great you know luxury. But a lot of times you know you don't really have that luxury. You know it takes place in wherever the desert or you know a you know European town or something like that. You know you're you're SOL if you wanted to shoot it in New York. Do you think having a since your daughter is also an actor mm-hmm. and I'm sure she probably learned a lot what the business must be like from the perspective of having both her parents in the business. But did you ever have, did you ever have the same sit down talk that you would have with kids about sexuality, but about acting like, okay, <laughs> here's some of the birds and the bees of this business and try not to take this too seriously and deal with that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, I, both of my kids are very independent kids and neither one of my kids, um, we didn't, sh- we didn't shove our business or our, uh, industry or our work really into their faces um if you ask them i think they've only probably seen a handful of my movies or kira's movies uh and they up until the point when my daughter decided to be an actress hadn't really shown an interest in uh that part of show business my son is a musician he has been since he was a kid and i'm a musician so that that was kind of a natural thing and we have as he's gotten older I mean, I can't teach him anything about music because he, he really got better. He's a better guitar player than me by the time he was about 13, honestly. Oh, wow. So so that wasn't anything, you know, that, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 he teaches me. Um, but we do talk about music. We talk about production. We talk about gigs. We talk about, you know, just stuff around music because I, I, I know it from touring with a band and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's really fun to have that kind of conversation with my daughter. All of a sudden now, once she decided that this is what she wanted to do, we can have a dialogue about this life that Kira and I have made for ourselves. And it's kind of great because I, I didn't know that, uh, I would ever have those kinds of conversations with one of my offspring and, and say, you know, where she can generally say, you know, what do you do when um, you're at an audition and, you know, blah, blah, blah happens? Or or have you ever had a moment where you, you got one take and you loved it and then they had to go again because of, of a technical issue and you feel like you're not there? And, you know what I mean? All these kinds of things that that 
uh, I just never really thought we'd be in a position to share are now something that we can share. And that's, that's, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, and she's also, um, she, she's, she's different than me in that she is a little bit more of an open book around these things. You know, when I was a kid, when I became an actor, I didn't come from a theatrical family and, you know, I didn't want advice or mentorship or, um, guidance from anyone. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think you do yourself a disservice, you know. I mean, I, I felt like I knew everything. I didn't want agents to tell me anything, managers to tell me anything. I was even sort of, I think, in some ways, um, I threw myself into um, every film role and every acting role and everything with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and desire to make it the best it could possibly be. And I really worked hard and really did my homework and all that. But I can't say that I put myself in the hands of a director like, oh, please, please mold me. I was, I was, I was, I was always, you know, kind of either resistant or disappointed in the in the in the kind of direction or the support that I was 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 getting. And I think that that's really a, um, a mistake, certainly on the mentorship side of things. Um, people have asked me, uh, you know, in sort of interviews you know well who was your mentor and did anybody guide you and what was the great advice you got i i, I got nothing <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it was just trial and error it was, was your mentorship yeah. it was learn learn by mistakes and and learn by um doing i mean it's it's kind of nice i mean it sounds nice that all these moments which you probably didn't even realize you were storing now you can sort of take out of your mental attic and go, oh, these have value because someone else is asking me about these. Sp- when did you ever think you'd be able to go, oh, well, during a take, if this happens, like that you would be able to to be able to basically pass that information on to someone? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't think I would. And I certainly didn't think I would pass it on to um, to a child of mine. So so it's great. It's great. And, and, and also, you know, she's kind of discovering uh, old work of ours and, you know, saying, oh, you know what? I watched, you know, whatever. And it was, that was kind of cool, you know. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. That's great. It's great. And it's also cool that you didn't <laughs> pressure your kids. You're going to sit down. There's going to be a bacon marathon this weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. a Cedric marathon next weekend. Yes. And you're going to see what we... Because yeah. I can understand it, it must be difficult to... I don't have kids, but I know... Even just meeting young people now, like people in their early 20s, sometimes I feel like, oh, we're not communicating on the same. Hmm. And no matter what I, you try to do to bond with them or try to like, hey, it just feels like they're a little closed off. So, you know, being able to have those conversations, particularly with your kids, who sometimes I think look at their parents as like, yeah, you parents don't know shit. Right. You know, well, I think that gets a little better in your 20s. I think that once the kids are in their 20s, yeah, that's been my experience is that teens are really at that, you know, kind of like my parents are idiots, <laughs> you know, stage. And when they get into their 20s and they become adults and they start to go, well, look, you know, things like um, I need to rent an apartment, you know, I need to have a bank account, I need to um, – you know, uh, I don't know, just stuff like that, like that, like the day to like the day to day life of kind of su- trying to support yourself. You can finally kind of get get in there and say, um, "No, let me give you some advice there." <laughs> hmm. I feel like life is basically a breadcrumb trail to understanding my parents. Where it's just like the older I get, you know, like all the things that I thought they did when I was younger that I thought were stupid. As you get older, you're like, 
Oh, that's why. The, oh, okay. Oh, well, that makes sense. Of yeah. course they, you know, I just wasn't getting the full story. Yeah. I was thinking about that in terms of like um, acting class because I got into acting class when I was about uh, 17 or 18. I went to Circle in the Square and we had um, a few different acting teachers and um, some of the exercises and the, and the things that we d- would do, I just did not get them. They just seemed... Um, they seemed like a waste of time to me, you know. Again, it was that kind of thing of I, I, I don't need to be taught this. You know, I can do this, you know, kind of cockiness that I had. And um, there are a lot of those lessons that have now, are now, even now, sort of coming back full circle. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'll give you an example. We used to do an exercise. Um, I had a class that was based on the uh, Lee Strasberg, you know, slash Stanislavski kind of method, what we call the method. And one of the uh, exercises that's very popular in the method is something called a private moment. And basically, you would uh, come into class and you would set up your apartment or some kind of living space. It could be your home or your apartment that you lived in now. And the class would watch you sit there and live there and it's not really it's supposed to be not really a performance it's just supposed to be you living there it could be up to 15 20 minutes i mean which can be like excruciatingly boring <laughs> and you're getting to a point where you do something that uh you would stop if somebody else walked into the room so in other words a private sure. moment and uh you know for us it was mostly about sitting there hoping that some of the female students would be getting naked sure you know what i mean and or somebody would be doing something that would be like in you know outrageous and you know uh, embarrassing in, in some kind of a way and uh i didn't understand it i was like this is just uh, just seems like a waste of time as of what i've really come to learn is that when it comes to insight into character private moments can be incredibly um powerful you know, you think about uh, a character who walks into a room and does something alone, you know, it, and, you, and you, you're able to witness it, you know, in a kind of almost like voyeuristic sort of way. It, it can be a real, real insight into it. I think about um, an amazing movie that uh, Coppola directed called The Conversation. And, and at the end of The Conversation, he sits there, you know, Gene Hackman's character takes out a, a saxophone and just plays the saxophone. And uh, it's just so cool it's so it's so interesting and it and it's a it's a way of learning about a character without the character actually opening his mouth and saying anything or talking about himself (laughs) i play the saxophone (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly and and uh so it's things like that that uh have kind of made sense uh but but it takes a long time to, to to figure out why you know once they're kind of laid in your brain. Well, also, to try, I, I would I would guess trying to break down the barrier between I am consciously in front of a group of people and I'm supposed to be having a private moment. What type of a private? Mo- it's like getting out of that, getting out of your head and just being in a moment as opposed to figuring out how to do the moment. Sure, yeah, yeah, acting it, yeah. And I would sit there, and it was very hard for me to do that. You know, it was very hard for me. And I'd sit there going, oh, this is taking too long. It's too boring. When do I get to it? You know, um, you know, what's it going to be? And is it going to be something that 
is going to be embarrassing, or am I truly approaching this 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 exercise with with complete honesty, uh, or am I tempering something that I hope will be a performance? So it's an interesting exercise. I think most people are actually just incredibly boring in their practice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's and that in itself is something. You know, that in itself is something to 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 say. Well, um, do I have to? It, do I have to reach for it to be interesting all the time? You know, is, I think there is a balance there between, um, you know, truly staying to a, 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 the truth of a character, which is not always interesting. People aren't always interesting. And in or infusing moments with something that we more traditionally would think of as a performance. And I think that sometimes reaching that balance is, is our actors that we are, we find very compelling. I mean, I know for, for instance, that, you know, when I, I always say to young actors that to me, um, it's a lot more interesting to watch a documentary when you're researching uh, a part or trying to find a character as opposed to watching another performance from another actor, because, you know, r- real people are oftentimes, you know, intensely fascinating. I mean, you know, you look at a close up of you know Robert Durst, and and you know oh. how do you how do you you know how do you, I mean I play plenty of sociopaths, but how do how how do you get to that? You know, how do you get to that? Yeah, that's the, there. There's just the, <laughs> there's just fucked up wiring from the get go. There, yeah. there was no. I mean. That I would I can imagine being an actor and then just like going back every three seconds and just taking notes. Yeah, you know, like for that. Sure, there's nothing that just that moment of like just the 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 involuntary you know throwing up thing. Right. right. That's it, like if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, what an amazing choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just one of those things that you just need to see to go. Oh, when your body is trying to protect something so hard and literally it just starts it just starts bursting at the seams it's right. going to have a physical there's going to be like a weird physical manifestation right yeah. i wondered if there was a mad rush the day after that of just all these a-list actors like i want to play durst i want to play the right. fucking character yeah yeah well you know it's it's almost a it's it's a tough road to hope because he played it so well in the documentary you know we've seen so much of him you know You'd have to. Well, they already did it, actually, didn't they? they yeah, yeah, he did yeah. it, but it didn't. It didn't really. It right. was because of that that he agreed to. And then, in and you know, when Durst was in acting class, his private moment was uh, <laughs> space work, killing three three women, and then uh, and then just picking up the phone and going, "I don't know." Uh, that was his private moment. I was one of this. This idea of private moments is really interesting because I. This might be dumb. This might be too arty of a question, but do you do, does that translate to music at all? And the reason that I ask is because. I think when you're doing something musically at home by yourself, you're more apt to take risks or try things as opposed to when you're in front of people, you might, you know, play it a little safer because yeah. you're being watched. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I haven't done – when I first started writing songs, I would kind of write them um, melodies and, and lyrics in my head and then I would bring bring them to my brother. I didn't have an instrument and uh, I I – you know, would just have these these you know ideas, and sometimes they were fairly well constructed, but they were they. But I wasn't actually playing them, and he would figure out the changes, and would sometimes sort of rearrange things, maybe out of bridge or or help with you know kind of lyrical thing. And then we started writing a couple of songs together, and it pretty quickly I stepped out and started writing completely by myself. And yes, I don't I don't I don't usually like to have anybody around, even within earshot. 
um, because it's so much trial and error and it's so much about you know, uh, you know, kind of fucking up and, and hear it, listening it, you know, or playing it back and going, oh, and then let it put, dropping the guitar and coming back to it and picking it up and, and, and trying it another way. And so that is my experience. It's a very private thing, um, writing a song to the extent that the first time I play it for Cura, I'm usually my heart is kind of pounding and it's, and, uh, I'm, 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 you know, kind of struggling over the changes and, and, uh, and, it's a very, it's a very vulnerable kind of place to take that very very private thing and just put it out there for the first time for somebody else to you know uh, you know uh, dissect. We recently um, something that we've done hardly at all went into a situation with a young songwriter and uh, you sit down in a room in a hotel. This is a hotel room in Nashville. And try to come up with a, a a song together, and that's the way a lot of songs are written now. Um, they really are uh, quite often written um, by committee, partly because a lot of times artists want to share in the songwriting. Um, you know, it's, it makes financial sense, sure. and um, uh, also, you know, some people some people are are just delivering tracks and structure of song and then you know uh, someone who is good with lyric and melody will just kind of put the track on top of the lyric and a melody right on top of a track um but this in its own way is 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 a big adjustment from being a alone songwriter because there you're going uh you know what if it is um you know uh, the, her eyes were green the best i've ever seen and everyone goes <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Should we it's throw like, our hands in the air and wave around like we just don't care? Come on, what are yeah, we doing here? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's. I mean, it's it's um it's a funny it's a funny it was a, it was a we'll see. I mean, I think the song's kind of cool, and I, I uh, you know, but but it was definitely a. I realized when I was done with that experience because it was probably about I don't know three four three four hours. We were in this you know small hotel room, and it, that it was uh, um, emotionally and creatively kind of like exhausting because. I wasn't used to it. You know, it's not something I'd done before. Did so? Do you feel like some of that when you were younger, that personality of like, no, I know what I'm doing. Do you, do you, do you feel like that carried over to music as well? That that's just part of the whole thing. Uh, I think that in music, I was probably uh, smart enough to know that at that point that I needed, you know, help. I mean, I needed um, teachers, and I needed to uh, have the experience of the musicians around me to sort of walk me through it you know, and help me through it. I'm smart enough to know that with music, but not so much with acting. I think this is the, so this question is, I think going to be very helpful if you can shed some light on it because you have a incredibly successful relationship, but the whole idea of creative people, like when you said also, you know, I'll play a song for her for the first time. When you're in that vulnerable position, it can be weird for the other person not knowing exactly how they're supposed to react. Like, Mm. Oh, if I, it's great. Oh, well, you didn't mean, you oh, know, yeah. you kind of went, you know, because you're sure. insecure and vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there and you're you're reading everything, you know. So is there good, good advice for how to properly listen to or properly give feedback, you know, oh. even if the feedback might be negative sometimes? Yeah. No, it's tough. It's it's tough. Um, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you have to uh, obviously, you know. You have to be um, respectful, and I think my brother and I, you know, also have this kind of thing because he plays me songs of his, and I have to play him songs of mine too. So we have to share those and see if they're going to be something that we're going to take to the band, you know. Um, 
And I, th- I think my, our attitude is if you made it through the process of writing a song, yeah, let's keep, you know, let's not flush it just based on one listening, you know, let's, let's keep saying, well, yeah. Um, have you, tr- can you, can you transpose it up a step and see if it takes your voice in a different place or, or well, I, I like it, but it just seems kind of dirge like that tempo, you know, well, you know, things like that that you can say, well, let's keep shaping it and, and, and figuring it out. You know, I wrote a song, um, about a, um, giant squid and it's a, uh, it's, it's partly about the squid. It's partly about my father, um, passing away and partly about the nature of celebrity if that's if you can fit all those things into a song yes and and um the point is that i wrote it you know it was kind of like a folky basically you know just kind of like acoustic sort of ditty and my brother envisioned it more as a kind of fat uh uh celtic sort of vibe and it's not something that I had ever heard in my um, uh, in, in my construction of this song, and you know, wrote this kind of uh, melody around it. And, and when we do it now live, the essence of that is there, but the but the but the vibe of the song is nothing that I had ever dreamed of. So he could kind of say, "Yeah, it's it's fine. It's like the the bones of it are are there." Or you could sort of push it into a into a into a direction that that is. Um, you know, now I think is really powerful and people really like. So, so you have to, I, I don't think you can just, the answer, the answer to your question is, I, I don't think it's worth it to shut it down right away. And I think that the other thing is that, you know, sometimes that over time, as you put things out there, you can start to sense whether or not they're worth continuing to pursue. <laughs> right, right. You know? It's the same thing with like, you know, performances and movies and, and, and choices, you know, in, in acting or whatever, you know, you, you know, you start to, you start to put something out there and you, you learn a lot from that. Yeah. But I, I think, I think there are some people though, that almost feel a little nervous if their significant other says, Hey, I made this thing. What do you think? Because they know like, Oh fuck, there's no right answer. Right. Even if I say it's great, they're going to go, Oh, you're just saying that. Yeah. I don't know. No, you're- I know it is. It's risky. It's risky. Um, I don't know. Somehow we've we figured out the way to kind of navigate that. Did your did your brother know that the song was also sort of a metaphor for the? He didn't know. No, I don't think he knew. No, in fact, I I bet you. I I've been in situations where we've been on stage and I've introduced a song and said, you know, this is kind of about this, and he turns over and goes, "What? You're kidding me? I had no fucking idea." This was that much. <laughs> really? <laughs> or in interviews or something? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think he knew. I I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I don't tend to um, s- explain it before I sing it to him. So right. We do sometimes live because I think it's kind of nice to set a song up and people sort of like that, but but not not in the first singing it. How long ago? When did you when did you lose your dad? Uh, probably maybe ten years. Oh, it's been ten years. Now? Yeah, something like that. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm just shy of two years. Mm-hmm. And someone said, "Yeah, it takes about two years before you just feel totally okay." Mm-hmm. Did you, how'd, they, how'd they come up with that number? I don't know. They just sort of felt yeah. like you know, like not totally. Okay. I googled it, and you only need two years. <laughs> <laughs> On the exact of twenty four months, you're like, "Hey, yeah. it's fine. It's all yeah. it's all fine now." Yeah. Uh, I mean, is it uh, is it something that you feel 
sort of bleeds in here and there? Does it kind of never go away? Is it always, you know, is it always just out there? Do you think about it sometimes? I don't really think about it too much. I think about him every once in a while, but um, um, I don't. Uh, hmm. It's it, my both of my parents are gone, and it's it's not something that um, that preoccupies me on a daily basis. Um, but uh, certainly, it's a it, it is a, a powerful moment when you're an orphan. You know, it definitely is a powerful moment. Sure, I mean it's it's like it's kind of like um, it's. I think it's as, I think it's as powerful as as having a you know having a child in some ways. You know, when you when you say, uh, okay, now, now I'm, you know, I really am, uh, on my own. <laughs> and you're sort of the, you're, you're this, you're the head of the, the whole thing now. Yeah. It's like, you're, yeah. oh, wait, no, there was always someone up here. Oh no, now I'm the, now I'm the statesman who's supposed to have all the answers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But do you got to get my shit together? <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like, it sounds like though, part of your personality has always been like no i you know i can figure this out i don't need i'm good i don't need to you know i sure i can do this shit. yeah it was and you know you speaking to my parents i mean i think that's a message that uh me and most of my siblings got you know um or if not all of us my, my wife often talks about that that you know it's such a vacant thing that you don't need you don't need you don't need you just go out and you do um and being the youngest of six I think that, um, and this is not in any way an indictment of them. I mean, I think they were very supportive, loving parents, um, but they, but they did not have any part of them that was trying to kind of hold on. You know, I think they really, especially me. Um, I often joke that you know when I left home, they didn't notice I was gone. So. <laughs> um, it's it's it, that's really in some ways true. You know, they they they. And and we didn't have the kind of relationship uh, when we were talking about my my kids earlier, um, where I went to them for advice or um, I asked for you know permission um, to to do things. Uh, so so it's nice on my end when with my children I actually can have that you know because um i don't know if they missed that or whatever but i think maybe i kind of missed it yeah and so you're getting to kind of re-express that but from the other side yeah a little bit yeah yeah which is good yeah that's fantastic i mean do, do you think uh, uh do you see well your kids are still they're in their early 20s right yes okay so you might you might be a ways off from grand from grandkids I think so. Uh, I like to think so. I like to think, I'm, you know, I have, I have grand dogs, but I'm. It's good for now. Yeah, it's good for now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I some some parts of me feel like, oh, I'm kind of glad I didn't have kids when I was young because it really allowed me to figure out who I was, and I was a mess when I was young, and I would have been a shitty parent. Do you have kids now? I don't. Mm-hmm. So, and and other parts of me are like. God, now if I have a kid now, I'm gonna be super old by the time they're in high school, and that just no. feels like. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I think I'm better to be a parent now, but in some cases, I'm like, I don't want to, and I don't want my kids to be like, you know, that's not my grandfather, that's my dad, <laughs> and I was, and just so you know, I was not an accident. Uh, he well, chose to have kids older. My my brother-in-law just had a baby at 50, and he's thrilled. That, oh, really? And, and they're incredibly close, and he's a great dad, and and uh, you know, he always kind of knew he, he would be. Um, 
but uh, it's 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 a joy. It makes it's me joy. feel a lot better. Yeah, he's he's doing great. You can all as, as long as you can point to someone who's a little bit older and go, okay, this guy. Mm-hmm. I have this one example. That's all I need. Yeah, as long sure. as I know one guy did it, then yeah. I'm, prob- I'm probably okay. Yeah, I mean, we were happy and you know probably crazy, but we were happy to get it get it done. You know, um, but that was just that was just our that was just our road. You know, that's the way it worked. Yeah. Are you on any kind of I assume you're tired of doing press tours pretty heavily for Cop Car right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Are were you going to take a break after that or are you immediately jumping onto something else? Uh I don't know yet. You know, I'm looking at a few things. Um I trying to think when I finished the following it's been a while and I don't think I've done something since since I rapped. So this has actually been a pretty for me a pretty long time off. Um but I'm I'm starting to feel like you know now that the cop car press is sort of um, almost over that you know I'm I'm ready to go back to work. Do you ever have to audition for anything anymore at this point? I haven't auditioned in a really really long time, and that's not to say that I wouldn't. But I do kind of feel like you know, yeah. Let's how can I put this? I mean, I I think that uh, I think it's a two way process, right? Because um, a director's got to figure out if I'm right for a part and I got to figure out if the director is right for the movie and for me and, and if the part is right for me. Um, and one of the first criteria of a director that I want to work with is someone that knows that they want to work with me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I, I, um, it, it hasn't even come up honestly for probably, Wow. I mean, many, many years, 30 years or something. I mean, I'm not surprised in the least, but I also wonder at, you know, at some point, is it, is it good to mix it up and just do that stuff again, just to remind yourself like, oh, I can still, you know, like I I got to know how to do that. I think it is. And I can tell you, uh, I recently um, went in and was in a situation of trying to get a directing gig. And, you know, all of a sudden I was on my way to the meeting and I went, wow, this is really like, um, this is an audition because I got to come in and, you know, pitch an idea for the way I see the movie and the, and, and the types of um, changes that I might want to make and the visual aspect of it. And, and, and it really was like an audition. So I, I do think it's, it's good. And, and to get past that was a feeling that was, um, uh, you know, uh, dangerous and then sort of exhilarating, you know, just to get on the other side of, of that. Uh, you know, I often go out with um, projects to uh, develop and you go out and you pitch um, something to a network or a studio. That in its own way feels a little bit like an audition. You know what I mean? It's like everyone comes in, there's small talk, and then everyone gets a bottle of water. <laughs> then much, there's a weird pause. Too much water. And, and then, then it's like, okay, so what do you got? And you know, and you're like, okay, here's the thing. You know, you it is that thing of like kind of being on and and you know, doing your thing. Um like I said, if 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 something came up that um you know, somebody really felt like they, they just, you know, for whatever reason, wanted to, you know, see what I look like with a hump or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, you know, but I just, it just, it honestly hasn't come up. It's not like it's been, I, I at least as far as I know, unless my, you know, representatives, it's not like I, I get auditions and turn them down. Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, I, I, I think at a certain point, it's sort of like, well... 
you probably know what I can do, so do you want that or do you not want that? Mm-hmm. You know, like rather than going full process, but I do, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, as a with stand up, oh, should I, you know, should I go back and just do some open mics again? Because it's it's unfamiliar at this point and you can get too comfortable, mm. you know? So is it good to just to go back and try to mix it up at a basic level? Well, I think you, 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 you know, you, you, um, hit on something that I think is really true. And that is that I do believe that, uh, it's good to have a little bit of danger in your creative life that, uh, or maybe even in your life in general. I mean, I don't jump out of planes or anything, but I think that, you know, um, that's sort of – certainly when for the first probably 10, 15 years of being in a band and still to this day, you get up to the, the edge of the stage and um, you know, you're starting to wait and the lights are going down. And, and there's an element of anything can happen. You know, you can – forget a lyric break a string you know um heckler uh you know there's there's a lot of ways that that one night can kind of be a disaster a disaster that you may have to sort of overcome um i've never fallen off the stage and broken my leg <laughs> uh and then come back on stage and finish the show that's so <laughs> that's pretty amazing that's pretty amazing nice uh, job dave thank you dave but um but but yeah, I, you know, I think that having that having a little bit of danger in your creative life, and and I used to feel that way about um, theater. I mean, the the band, um, in some ways, kind of took over that part of my live experience. You know, uh, but you, it's that night is a is a is a night that you're going to share um, with that people, and there's a certain electric kind of risk there that I think is 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 important. Um, you know, a movie set to me now, uh, is a very, very comfortable place to be. You know, it doesn't hold that's it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a recording studio, you know, it's, it's a, it's usually a pretty controlled environment. You know, I, I mean, strapping yourself to a plane, notwithstanding, you know. Uh, <laughs> nice job, Tom. Yeah, you know, I just have to give props to those people that, that do, you know really take the risk. He's, he's really like he's he's really like every time upping it. Like I don't know what the fuck is it. What's next? What's next? Uh, Tom Cruise lived on a hot air balloon for three hundred days. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Tom. We get it. <laughs> the most spry fifty-year-old in the world. All right. All right. So we'll say, I mean I I I I I think that the idea of going back and, and grabbing a mic, which by the way, I have to say I think in in the world of show business be, could be one of the most frightening uh, things that uh, an entertainer can do it would be stand up. I, I would think really yeah. I mean just because you don't even have the guitar. Oh, that's you know what's what so I mean? fun. You're responsible for everything. That's what's so fun about it is that you control the entire experience and you sort of live or die by it. It's it's it's. it's well, I'm fun. talking about the die, but the <laughs> die part. And I've seen it. You know, I've spent a lot of time in 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 comedy clubs and and because I like it and I I enjoy it and I think to myself, holy shit, that's scary. I mean, to just get up there and shit the bed just seems. Uh, I just like a. a uh, a, 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 it's a it's it feels like a like a really big risk well it is an emotional risk but everyone does it everyone bombs 
and of course you hate yourself and you're like I'm no why am I do you know you could have 10 amazing shows and one bomb show and then you're like I, I I'm clearly not doing the right thing in life but mm. you know but then you once you get past that it's just like anything like once you oh okay like I guess in my head I thought I was just going to die and the world was going to cease to exist. But uh-huh. it turns out uh, the sun is still in the air and everything's fine. And right. you know, and then w- but I think whether or not you know whether you should do stand up is if you have a horrible bomb and you go, well, I'm never doing this again. You probably shouldn't be a stand up. But if you go, but I have to do it. Ag- I need to do it again. Yeah, like right. I think that's how you know sure. that you're probably doing. Oh, that's the, true. The that's right a pretty thing. good test. Yeah, it's a compulsion. Yeah. You know, because what? Because I, I, well, I watch musicians and I watch guitar players and I go, oh, I could never. I mean, like that just seems horrifying to me to have to be technically proficient in that way mm-hmm. at exactly the right time and not fuck it up. You know, like that. The, the, watching live music, I, I feel that kind of anxiety huh. watching live Interesting. music. Interesting. But I'm sure to you, it just feels like, nah, I don't know, this is something I do. Yeah, I mean, now it does, actually. You know, But, you know, I mean, if I play... Well, let me put it this way. It's nice to have uh, a band. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, t- you know, solo acoustic is, a, is, a, is, is definitely a, a challenge. You got to do, do the Prince thing. If you fuck up something, do it again so people think it was intentional. Yeah, do it twice. You got yeah. to do it twice. Yeah. Did, the, did the music part unlock things that helped inform because I, I think the idea of kind of interdisciplinary study is really good because mm-hmm. I think you know one thing can give you perspective on something on, on the other thing that you thought you already completely understood mm-hmm. so did the two help inform each other or unlock things on either um, side well yeah I mean I think that uh, a lot of songs that I've written I've written in trailers on sets of movies uh, I think partly because not so much on the following because it was you know like such a crazy schedule but partly because of the time spent in the trailer that's one thing that I have as a guitar and sometimes a you know laptop to have a little kind of studio situation um, but also because you are creatively uh, kind of open on edge and 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 you know uh, available for something to come through you so there's that kind of crossover I also find that when it comes to singing a lyric um, in in the studio or live, if I've kind of lost track of what the song was about, you know, uh, or if I've just kind of, if I start singing it by rote or I've put it out of my mind, then I tend to just not really sing it that well. And once I go back and I say, wait a second, you know, this is a song about you know joy or heartbreak or the road or whatever it is, you know, you can the performance takes takes a step up, and that's that to me is kind of an acting exercise. Yeah, you know? because you know, as an actor, you you uh, if it, well, for instance, if you're doing a piece of theater and you 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 know you you keep doing it night after night after night, and you start losing some kind of a moment, and you start going, well, you know, I don't know, it's just not working as well. The audience there used to be a laugh there, but it went away, and the audience doesn't seem to be getting it or whatever i'm not feeling it. it's probably because you kind of forgot what it was about you're just going like by rote you yeah know, you're, you're you're repeating yourself so you have to always sort of be going back to uh some kind of an emotional connection so they they do they do overlap in the in in that way you know in terms of like opening something up i'm not sure i'm not sure and i and i tend to creatively also um 
you know, I kind of put on my kind of music mind and then I take that off and start to think more like an actor. And and uh, people have often said, well, why don't you combine the two and do something, do a kind of movie that's music related or, you know, which is not, I'm not opposed to, but it, uh, I also don't want to fit a square peg in a round hole. You know, um, the choices that I make as an actor are important to me and it's, it's not going to, it's not going to make it more interesting to me if I get to, you know, play and sing. Right. So you're not, you're not trying to sandwich it into. I'm not. So when a few good men, could he like riff on a guitar? You know, I don't know if this is really right for this character. Right. Right. Or, no, but or, it could be good. Or worse, if I was pitching that idea. <laughs> yeah, you're you're pitching you know, that idea. Yeah. You just, you know, what I brought the guitar. If you yeah. want me to shoot a scene with it, just right. to have it. Right. The guy no. in the following is like secretly a, <laughs> secretly know, a, a great songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, at the very end, he just pulls out the guitar, sort yeah. of like the conversation. But there is an acting. But it's that live performance thing because it's sort of like if you say a, if you say a word over and over and over and over again, it completely loses meaning and you're just yes. making sounds. Yeah. And there's a real skill, I think, in being able to make something sound fresh or new. I mean, can you imagine just, you know – being a band, not that they tour together anymore, but being a band like the Eagles, where it's like, okay, guys, let's do Hotel California again. I mean, right. can you fucking imagine, yeah, what like having to dredge that up after all these decades. Sure, yeah, it's I, I, you know, I mean, to have it, it would be all I could say is yes, that must be really difficult, and it would also be nice to have written Hotel California <laughs> and to have people you know want really badly to hear it, but uh, you know, you never know. I mean, I, I. I think that you also raise a good point about saying things over and over again. You know, I don't know who it was. It was either an acting teacher or, a, or an actor or, or a director or somebody, you know, gave the example of you're doing the dinner scene in the play. And there used to be a, last, a laugh on uh, Pass the Salt. And, um, and all of a sudden the audience stops laughing on Pass the Salt. And you you start to freak out because you can't figure out what happened is is someone distracting you or or is my leg like moving in a weird way or what's the timing or you know how come I'm not getting the laugh on, on that anymore and the director says well it's because you're no longer wanting the salt you know it's like you all you're doing is saying pass the salt but you've forgotten that you actually want the salt that you want and it's like such a a mind fuck because like you really go well shit that's true and that this has happened to me and then on the next night you actually ask for the salt again you know you actually look at the actor in the eye and you ask for it and miraculously <laughs> they're laughing you know it's a very bizarre thing i can't really put my put my finger on it I, I well i think it's i think it is i think people can sense authenticity mm-hmm. you know i think they can read it and and i also think it's a good i also think it's an interesting thing to take into life too when you when you you know in relationships or jobs that you've had for a long time just the sort of when you go in by road and you're just repeating the same syllables over and over again and it doesn't have the same meaning it's like that's when you do have to go in and create a new experience form a new neural pathway or or put yourself in a little bit of danger to try to make it fun and exciting again. I don't I don't think that's just for stage or performance. I think I think you have to do that in in life and it sucks cuz it's feels like work sometimes, but I think it's necessary. Yeah, I do think sometimes if I'm doing uh multiple takes or if it's a uh if there's a um a scene that takes a whole lot of coverage and I start to feel like I'm, I've, I've said it so many times and I'm kind of like losing the, the intention or the emotion or whatever, I will actually impose something on it 
that may not be necessarily organic or may not be um, all that well thought out, but just the imposition of some new way of saying it will wake me up, wake the other actor up, and put us back in the moment. Um, it may not be the take that they use, but and it may not match, you know. But but it does have it can have a really like interesting effect, and and that's that's what's interesting about making movies is because I I feel like you should do I, I like to do as much homework as I possibly can because I don't look at the at the set as a place to to discover who the character is, you know. I like to do my research, do my backstory, you know, figure out the the voice, the look, you know, the whole thing, like get, like get all that shit together before you come to the set. But at the same time, it's nice to keep the keep your heart open to the idea that the muse can just drop in on your shoulder and 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 create something that you never expected. That's what's cool about, you know, the energy of, you know, filmmaking. Yeah, but the, and the daunting things seems to be like, well, we're three takes in and I don't feel that yet. Mm, sure. <laughs> and then you're in your head about it and I'm saying this is someone who's not an I'm not an actor. I'm I'm guess I'm guessing with the limited amount of that I've done that it's like three oh, what do I you can't force that, right? You can't how, how do you shake it loose and just you just can't yeah i don't i, I don't know that you can, you you can um have you ever been wrong where you're like god i just i completely fucked this sideways and then you see it and you go oh oh actually i i was completely wrong i i was i was fine yes yeah definitely um uh, yeah and i will drive home or i will uh lie in bed you know, in the middle of the night, thinking through and and going, if I had just what I should have done is this, or or, yeah, it wasn't really about that, and yeah, yeah, and 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 then sometimes I'm okay with it. Mostly though, I look at most things, even when I thought they were right, as mm, I should have done something differently. You know, mo- mostly, mostly I'm 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 wishing uh, that it had been a little different. Or slightly disappointed, you know. It's interesting. Um, I I started to watch my dailies in a way at a at a pretty early pretty early stage. I think it was like around Footloose, and directors are horrified by the idea of actors watching dailies to the fat to the point where um, a lot of times I will contractualize it because. There will be this moment where I, 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 I you know, I say, well, "Can I see the stuff from yesterday?" And people, are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they just, they just fucking flip out because <laughs> they don't want you to take over the movie, right? It's not that; it's that they think I'm going to somehow alter my performance, or there's a million reasons I'll be judging the work that they're doing too harshly, or I will start to. Um, get pissed about my hair or makeup or whatever it is. It's like a million reasons why they don't want you to do it. And, you know, I sort of understand it because I've directed and it can be a little difficult, you know, when an actor says, look, I, I, we have to redo that scene. And you know, I'm like, the scene was great. You know, I'm telling you, you know, we don't, we don't have it in the budget to redo that. Scene. No, it, it's, it was horrible. We have to, you know, you can get yourself in that situation. It can be, you know, it can be pretty difficult. On the other hand, it always feels like incredibly um, – it, it, it can feel very disrespectful. You know, it's like you've done two movies, 
and this is like my 100th, and you don't want me to see what I shot yesterday <laughs> right. so I could see that like I'm on the right track right. or whatever. Um, so I, I, I started to do this because I was, I was fascinated. And the first time I, I started watching the dailies, it was like, uh, you know, when you first left that outgoing message on your codafone you know uh, you know and you were like horrified and you're like oh my god i sound like that i sound like that you multiply that by about a thousand hey it's kevin leave a message yeah yeah right exactly (laughs) because now it's like the way you look it's and the way you sound and everything and you know all your imperfections and all that kind of stuff is just like right blasting you and the other piece of it that was weird was what i thought i was doing was not what ended up on the screen so i over time, I started to kind of develop this. It's almost like another language of understanding if this is what I think I want to portray in this moment. This is what I have to do, uh, sometimes even technically. This is what I have to do in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the way that I am working the camera. Yeah. Or the, or the, or the, and, and you know, it sounds like. It sounds like you're, um, uh, 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 you know, walking too much, too far away from spontaneity, and the spontaneity is the thing that people always like embrace, you know, and think is like the the thing that you're ultimately going for. But on the other hand, there is a certain amount of technique to being a film actor, and you you can't shy away from the idea that there is technique that you can learn over time, and that those years of watching. Uh, sometimes torturously take after take after take of things that I had done, you know, in the course of that day, I think were really, really helpful. And it's gotten to the point now where I don't need to, I'm not so concerned about seeing everything, you know, and I don't even like fight all that hard for it if, if, if they don't want me to. Well, it just sounds like science. It just sounds like, well, I need to calibrate because I need to know. Calibration. That's a very good way to put it. Calibration. Yeah. It was just like, if you, you know, if you, if you're shooting, a, if you're shooting at something and you keep hitting left, you're like, oh, okay, well, if I, I know if I do this, it's actually going to give me the result that I need. I mean, it's basically, I, I don't, I don't understand people who don't do that when right. they go, well, I can't, you know, I can't ever see anything. I don't mm-hmm. like, but how do you, I guess you just hope you just kind of hope that it's working. Or? I guess so, but you know the other thing is that it's it's uh, the base. One of the basic lessons is is this idea of less is more. Because you know when I became an actor, I really wanted to put it up there. I wanted to put it up there. I wanted it to it to be there. I remember you know Barry Levinson in Barry's first directing gig was was Diner, and he's you know the character I had decided and we had sort of decided was was you know half in the bag for for the entire movie. And I kept really wanting to play him drunker. And Barry, you know, I remember I was doing a scene and 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 he, I think, I don't know if it was in the script or if I just naturally did it, but he said, don't push it. You know, don't, you don't have to be so drunk. And I just dropped one of my gloves. And when I saw that in, in the movie, you know, that really told the story, you know. I And, and the camera is so much sees so much farther than the naked eye in terms of you know your soul and your your uh, emotions and and all this stuff underneath the surface that we can't see if there was a if there was a uh, you know a, a, a camera sitting here next to me shooting you with like you know 
65 millimeter lens, you know, you, 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 if we played it back, we would see things that I never in a million years would have noticed in this conversation about you and about, you know, what's going on in your mind and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing that you sort of have to learn how to trust. And the only way to learn how to trust that is, is by, you know, seeing what you're doing and what's ending up on screen. Yeah. Cause most of the time people don't, you don't think about how you do things. You just do them. How would you pick? You know, like if someone just said, "Okay, we're gonna do an acting." How, how would how would a how would a regular guy pick up that phone? You'd be like, "I, I, I don't know, mm. like like this, or am I supposed to do it like this?" I don't because right. you just don't think about what you're doing most of the time. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's really valuable. I think it's a really valuable experience to watch to watch yourself, not for you know narcissism reasons but for reasons of like i need to know how i'm i need to know how i'm coming up as an audience member right and i need to know if i'm believing the stuff that i'm saying how would you know that otherwise yeah and do you do you carry that as a director or do you sort of have an open policy with your actors no hell no (laughs) forget it (laughs) the last thing you want it's an actor seeing their dailies forget No, Kevin's really cool. That's well, weird. The door's locked. And I was like, pretty sure he's in there. Let me in. <laughs> My hair was stupid. Let me in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> But uh, Cop Car comes out August seventh in the theaters, and I believe on the fourteenth on VOD. Correct? Yeah, we're going wider on the fourteenth. More, okay. more theaters on the more 14th. theaters on the fourteenth. Yeah, but it is also is it and also, the, and and it's also VOD, yeah, VOD yeah. as well. What do you think about the the simultaneous VOD <laughs> theatrical release? Well, this is the first time I've ever done it. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because like you know my experience is like you uh, you know this is like if you're going to VOD, it's like a disaster, right? You know, you know, it's not something you're actually trying to have happen. No, it's not. Know? It's not like that anymore. That's that's where a lot of the audiences are. Like movies. Some really great movies just get released on VOD, and they have incredible lifespans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when I actually look back and I think about it, there's movies that I have done, uh, movies like Tremors, movies mm. like oh, so uh, good, The Big Picture. Uh, <gasps> you know, a, a, a few movies that were complete bombs at the box office, and they had this life on video. Now, it's not what I wanted because it's. You know, it just wasn't the template for continuing to work. You know, I mean, it wasn't the template to to be a you know successful actor was to have you know stuff on 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 video. But in a case of something like Cop Car, you know, I, I think I think it's kind of a cool place, and I know that it's a generational thing in the way that people consume content. And really, if the idea is to have as many people see it as possible, which is the idea to have people other than my immediate family, you know, see the picture, then I think it's, I think it's great. You know, um, it was a little bit of a mindset adjustment to, to think about, but I, I, I think for a movie like this, it's the best possible. It's thing. just the way people are consuming things now. And, and I think it's, it is allowing people to see things as more people at the same time, because, you know, it's harder and harder to get people to leave their houses to do stuff. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think that, uh, you know, kids, someone recently said, you know, kids used to watch TV and grownups went to the movies. And now kids go to t- movies and grownups watch TV. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you can if 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 you're in a town, for instance, where, you know, there's one multiplex and in that multiplex are are. Uh, you know all the big summer, summer blockbusters. 
why shouldn't we say, well, therefore, they'll never get a chance to see Copcar, you know? I, right. I, 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 I think it's kind of cool. By the way, I don't know if I fanned out on you the last time you were on, but The Big Picture is one of my favorite movies. Oh, cool. Literally, of all, I've seen that movie probably a hundred times. Well, yeah, so that's a perfect example, right? But and, I saw it in the theater, too. Oh, you did? Oh, I did. good I went, for you. I went okay. and saw it in the theater, and I bought it when it came out on home video. Oh, and it's a fuck. It's but that's an example of a movie I'm sure that caught on in home video. Totally, yeah, totally was 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 you know not. Uh, I mean, it, the the studio didn't didn't like it and didn't have any kind of um, hopes for it. Therefore, didn't uh, support it. And um, you know, it it came and went in a in a weekend. Oh man, it's even if you. If you have even a slight understanding of the entertainment business, yeah. there's a whole layer of jokes that are amazing. But even if you don't, right. it's you just get gems. Like the guy who's – I'm sorry to do this to you, but it literally is one of my favorite <laughs> it's movies. It's okay. I don't but, mind talking about it. But the it. guy who when – you're, when you're looking at the apartment, when you start getting seduced by the money and you start looking at this really great apartment, this guy goes uh, – he, he he's he's showing you the apartment and he mentions a movie and he goes that was Red Reardon's first picture I made him a star a big star <laughs> and then he turned around and crapped in my face <laughs> literally <laughs> it's just this weird <laughs> such a non sequitur yeah. and it's one of my favorite lines in a movie I forgot about that yeah I forgot that scene <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a really long time but you know um, yeah, Christopher Guest is an absolute genius um, and it is a it's an interesting movie because although he didn't direct Spinal Tap, um, you know Spinal Tap was you know very much in line with the the mockumentaries that he went on to make one after another. Brilliant, you know, Mighty Wind and uh, For Your Consideration and uh, Waiting for Guffman and on and on and on. I mean, every every one of them a gem. But right before that, this was his actual uh, you know regular narrative kind of film. But at the same time, has that painful reality of Hollywood. And to this day, you know, I go into situations that just remind me so much of the big picture. And, and you know, I'll be sitting in a meeting or something, you know, and, or look over and someone is like saying, I don't know you. I don't know your work, but I think you're really talented. You know, <laughs> just things like that. It just Martin comes, Short. Martin Short is just so 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 great do you so like funny. thimbles Nick like it's just there's so much weird <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. and then this weird thimble <laughs> animation happens but it's so <laughs> right. but it's so much and, and also the message of the movie is so wonderful and sweet and just you know and the the basic message is like just follow your heart just follow what you want follow your heart like don't don't get seduced by all the crap. Just just do the thing that you care about. Well, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you knew this, but John Watts, who directed um, Cop Car, it's also one of his favorite movies, The Big Picture. Um, and he is sort of living it now because he went from Cop Car to uh, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, I said to him, you know, you should – Go back and take another look at the big picture <laughs> over the next, you know, few years. This is a cautionary tale, um, but it's, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, sure, disappointing. But what, you know, in if that movie was made now, that would be a movie that would probably be a good idea to hit VOD. You know, yeah, but I don't think, you know. It may have been disappointing in terms of like, well, it was only in the theaters for a weekend, but I, but I do think that the residual effect that that had that movie has had on a generation of people, it's mm. such a, I mean, it, I, I, I think it can't be anything but a huge success. It's such a great comedy, and you're, and 
even just watching the the free the bacon video, I'm like, God, I would love to see Kevin do more comedy stuff. Oh yeah, too. I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, you know, it's um, it's interesting because you 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 go through a career and you you know you're trying to, ah, oh, you know, my, my whole thing was trying to be able to play different kinds of characters, you know, and I have that now. The things that come to me are really pretty. A pretty wide base. I mean, if you look at the guy in Cop Car, he's really different than the guy in um, uh, uh, Black Mass, for instance. And so it's not like uh, I'm stuck in one thing. But even in my life, it is, I am definitely thought of as a dramatic actor at this point in, in my career. And, and to be able to sort of shake that off a little bit would be would be nice and you know it's it's funny because you don't really know you, you say well why don't you just tell your agents and they'll get you a comedy and it doesn't really work that way you know i'm sure you know that uh the the in, in the same way the world of comedy has a you know it's a it's a it's a little bit of a club you know of uh it's and certainly these days there is a a, a definite you know kind of core film comedy you know club so so Getting, you know, in that or being considered in that kind of way is, is, a, is a little bit of an uphill battle. But that being said, um, in the meantime, it's fun to do things like the, you know, the Mashable stuff and, and uh, you know, just just keep, for, even for my own head, just keep, you know, not being so serious all the time. Yeah. So just really quick before we let you go, uh, tell everyone just what is, what is Cop Car about? Uh, when it comes out, uh, Cop Car is a uh, uh, it's a very small film that that feels like a big film. It is a crowd pleasing, uh, edge of your seat thriller about two ten year old boys who are uh, kind of running away from home. You get the impression that they're not going to get very far, but they're moving across the plains. And um, they're probably about moving across the plains. They live on the plains, so they're probably about you know a quarter mile or half a mile from their house. But but they're they are <laughs> running away from home, and they come upon this abandoned cop car, and uh, they figure out how to turn it on, and they sort of figure out how to drive, and they take off, and then you meet the guy whose car it was is. And that's me, and I'm the sheriff of the small town. And they took the wrong car. <laughs> they, they took the wrong car. That would be the uh, that that would be the understatement. Yeah, and because is it there's a pretty there's a pretty military haircut to that guy. Uh, he's got a short haircut, short haircut, <laughs> and a big mustache. Short haircut, big mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had fun. You had fun working on. Oh that. yeah, I had a great time. I loved it. I loved it. It was really fun. Um, I I think the the you know I'm very proud of the movie. I think it's um, you know it's 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 a it's a cool movie because it is uh, very little dialogue and um, people have said to me, well, how could you tell from the script that it was going to be good when there's so little being said? Um, but the script was descriptive uh, in kind of a beautiful way where I I felt as though after I'd finished reading it that I'd seen the movie, you know, it really, the writers had this way of like kind of just, I don't know, making the movie clear. And, and, uh, I, I read it in one sitting, you know, just kind of rifled through it. And 
Uh, I went and looked at a, a film that John Watts, who directed it, uh, his first film. This is a cop car. is his second film. He had a film called Clown uh, that I screened. It was a horror movie that's never come out. It's fantastic. It's kind of funny, weird, scary. Not exactly in the in the same uh, genre as Cop Car because it's a little, uh, Clown is a little bit more of a straight up, you know, horror. But you could see that he had a, a cool uh, vision. Two ten year olds stumble across the wrong clown car. Yeah, clown car. Right, <laughs> 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 right. Um, but he, but uh, he just. He just has a way of writing something and putting it up there on on the screen, and and the two kids are are fantastic, and uh, I think people are going to like it. Excellent. Well, it's uh, really nice to talk to you again. And Likewise. It, it was it was really uh, you know the last time I it, I felt like we were invading your space a little because we were literally in your trailer. That's great. And uh, come my trailer anytime you want. All right. Uh, hey, you said <laughs> hey hey let me go. As I'm being thrown <laughs> off a lot. But uh, yeah, anytime you want to come back. And are, are there any? I went to the Bacon Brothers site and I didn't see any. Are there dates? Are you guys going to tour anytime soon? We toured. We just finished. You're just finished. Yeah, we finished two months of really pretty solid um, touring. So that was great. Uh, it's it's. We just last weekend we did two nights in Las Vegas, which was kind of like the last last one for a little while. But you know, it's it's. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of musicians. You know, you it, it's it's nice when you tour and things just get tighter and and deeper and you also get to that point where you can kind of start i don't know experimenting having fun trying new things you know you know throwing new songs in the set and stuff like that so it was it was it was a lot of fun yeah it takes a long time to get to the point where you're comfortable enough with everything that you could do it by muscle memory that then you can start fucking with the formula a little bit definitely that's where it gets fun and also um uh, I was looking at sixdegrees.org, which is a, which is a, an amazing idea. Yeah, we're doing great with sixdegrees.org. Uh, what are one of the things that we're really focusing on now are are small grassroots kind of uh, charities, people who don't have big giant you know money and publicity kind of machines behind them who are also doing good work out there, all kinds of things and. We connect them to celebrities, and celebrities can connect to them, uh, whether they're sports or music or uh, uh, acting or whatever. And actually, we do it a lot with the Bacon Brothers. It's a, it's it's really it's really nicely uh, formatted for being on the road because we'll come into a town and you know have the time before the sound check and do what's called a drop in, and just do and go do something fun, uh, and you know say hi to people. The whole thing will take maybe you know a half an hour. Uh, tweet about it, give some exposure to uh, either small businesses who are giving back to their communities in certain ways, or uh, or actual um, charity, and uh, and then just move on down the road. and And it's kind of like a win win because obviously it's good for um, these these organizations to uh, uh, get exposure that they wouldn't normally have. And from a celebrity standpoint, you know, you 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 feel good about it, and uh, you know, on top of it, doesn't it doesn't look bad? Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. All right, thank you, man. And uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. The end. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. 
So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com/internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement, other restrictions apply.